Bucks make a jump, the skins start to slide, and the top gets tight, all straight ahead on the Tuesday touchdown. What's up, NFL fans? It is time for the Tuesday Touchdown. I'm your host, Kevin Boyler. This is your weekly tour of the NFL, broadcast live from the 24-7 Sports Studio in Nashville, Tennessee. Tonight, we're delivering all new NFL Power Rankings for Week 3. These are the only Power Rankings you'll find on the web that are revealed live, with the expert who made them, yours truly, available to field your criticism in real time. We don't have any guests lined up to join us via the 24-7 Sports video chat line tonight, so we're counting on you to keep the conversation flowing, both in the comments section and on the phone lines. Get ready to give us a buzz when we give you that number. Okay, you know the drill by now. Let's introduce the poll question. Tonight, we're asking you, should the NFL eliminate ties? Hit that heart reaction if you're the type of snowflake, I mean person who likes when there's no winners or losers. React with the angry face if you want to see the NFL get rid of all tie games. Stay tuned and I'll tell you how they can do that. Real quick, before we get started, we need everyone watching the show right now to share this video. Please, it only takes a second and it helps us reach a much larger audience. Lastly, after the show, be sure to find us on Facebook Watch. Remember to follow 24-7 Sports Live if you want to be notified the next time we broadcast. All right, the show is called the Tuesday Touchdown. Let's get it started by breaking the plane. The New England Patriots pulled off a stunning trade on Monday, sending a fifth-round draft pick to the Cleveland Browns in exchange for the services of star wide receiver Josh Gordon. The Patriots were apparently under the impression that Gordon can still run a 4-2-40, but were disappointed to discover that that wasn't the 4-20 the Browns were promising. Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick is on fire after throwing for over 400 yards and four touchdowns again in Week 2. While Fitzpatrick's first big performance came against the Saints, who typically struggled to defend the pass, this time he did it against the Eagles, who are defending Super Bowl champions, and earned that title through the strength of their defense. Fitzmagic has already sawed the Eagles and Saints in half, and for his next trick, he'll make Jameis Winston disappear. The stress is starting to get to the Steelers, who are still looking for their first win of the season and just so happen to be Fitzpatrick's next victims. Half of Pittsburgh's starting lineup was on the injury report heading into their Week 2 matchup with the Chiefs, and number 1 wide receiver Antonio Brown casually requested a trade on Twitter after the team lost in a shootout. While Pittsburgh laments its losing ways, somewhere out there, Le'Veon Bell is laughing. Eagles quarterback Carson Wentz has been cleared for contact and will displace Nick Foles as the team's starter against the Colts in Week 3. Foles, of course, was named Super Bowl MVP after Wentz went down last season, putting Wentz in the rare position of having to fill the big shoes left behind by his backup. The task is twice as tall when you consider what they say about Nick Foles. NFL kickers had a terrible week as multiple games were decided by ill-fated field goal and extra point attempts. The Browns and the Vikings had it worst and decided to bring in new kickers on Monday. The Browns replaced Zane Gonzalez with a guy named Greg Joseph, while the Vikings dumped rookie Daniel Carlson and picked up a time-tested veteran in Dan Bailey. Gonzalez and Carlson can only hope to be picked up by another team at a later date, but right now, neither one has a leg to stand on. One of the NFL's biggest problems right now is the way in which the game is officiated, especially when it comes to protecting quarterbacks. The Packers got bit by this new point of emphasis in Week 2 as linebacker Clay Matthews was called for a roughing the passer after making what appeared to be a routine hit on Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins with the game on the line. The NFL defines what Matthews did wrong as burping the quarterback, presumably because every time it's called, the league spits up on itself. John Gruden is coaching an 0-2 Raiders team with no semblance of a pass rush, but the first-year head coach still insists that he has no regrets when it comes to the trade that sent Khalil Mack to the Bears. Gruden signed a 10-year, $100 million contract to lead the broadcast booth and come to the Raiders, but fans are already saying he's not the right coach for the future. I don't get the criticism. I think Gruden is the perfect guy for Las Vegas. He gambles, he loses, and he doesn't tell the truth. The Redskins played their first home game of the season in front of an embarrassingly sparse crowd as 20,000 seats were left empty during the team's 20-9 loss to the to Colts. While most in Washington are concerned about which seats they can flip this fall, Redskins owner Dan Snyder is only worried about the ones he can fill. 
Those were the biggest stories of the past week. Get your comments in on each of those topics and feel free to bring up any others when we open up the phone lines later in the show. In a few minutes, we'll reveal my week three NFL power rankings, but before we do that, let's check out in the control room and take an early look at the poll. Mike, the producer, what's up? What is going on, everybody out there in Facebook world? Quick look at that poll. Should the NFL eliminate ties? I'm happy that it's not a tie right now. Three <laughs> of you say no, they should not get rid of the ties, and five of you say yes. So maybe five of you, uh, one Packer fan, one Browns fan, one Vikings fan, one Steeler fan, and one who knows. All right, continue to vote in that poll again. If you think the NFL should eliminate ties, hit that angry face. And if you think you like them, hit that heart face. Now, we say hello to Steve Toronto, who covers the Carolina Panthers for us here at 24-7 Sports. Steve, you're wearing a Jaguars jersey, so I can only assume you're about to pepper me with Blake Bortles facts. Well, I am here to uh, give you all the facts on the Jacksonville Jaguars after their big win over the New England Patriots. And, Kevin, I've only got one thing to say to you tonight. I suppose I deserve that. So, yeah, we'll see where the Jaguars rank on the power rankings and where all the other teams rank, too. I'm checking into the comment sections now to see what you guys are talking about. Lorna is here to represent the Cowboys. She says, go Cowboys. Uh, Michael is talking about the Le'Veon Bell joke. He liked that one. Stefan is here representing the Eagles, as always. Antonio is here representing the Bears. So let me know in the comments section which team you're here representing and what you think your team should rank in my power rankings because I know that uh, a lot of you at home will not be agreeing with me when this show is over. But some of you may be happy with where I have your team, so it remains to be determined. All right. I think I've been promising my week three NFL power rankings long enough, so let's get to it. We'll start at the top of this week and work our way down. So the Packers hang on to the number one spot. Maybe some controversy there considering they only have one win, but they are undefeated. The Vikings, the team that tied them, are right behind them, up two spots from last week, just like the next three teams. The Chiefs, up two. Rams, up two. Jaguars, up two. Each of them making a statement with a win in week two. And then the Patriots and Eagles, who had a chance to overtake the pa Packers for that number one spot, both fall four spots after disappointing losses in week two. I don't think either one of those teams went to Florida expecting to lose. The New England Patriots falling to the Jaguars, who rank one spot ahead of them, and the Eagles to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are just a few spots behind them now, creeping into the top, are in the top ten, I'm sorry. The Atlanta Falcons are up one spot after their game against the Carolina Panthers, and the Steelers are down one more spot after a tough loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. That was a shootout loss. Uh, the St Steelers put up plenty of points, but they weren't able to stop Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense. Number 10 is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, up n a whopping nine spots from last week. They're on the rise. Fitzmagic is real. Everyone better believe in it. Uh, if you don't, you're in the minority. Cincinnati Bengals are up six spots as well, knocking on the door of the top 10 at number 11. The Chiefs, or Chargers, I'm sorry, hold on to their number 12 spot. They beat the Bills, but come on. We'll see where the Bills rank on this list. I think you already know where they rank. So I'm not giving them too much credit for that win. The Panthers go down two spots after a tough loss on the road to the Atlanta Falcons. They are number 13. Number 14 is the Baltimore Ravens, who are down four spots after their loss on Thursday night football to the division rival Cincinnati Bengals. Don't sleep on them, though. The New Orleans Saints are 15th and lucky to be there, considering they probably should have lost to the Cleveland Browns, but they did not lose. And uh, the Saints stay alive after a disappointing start to the season. And a lot of people were talking about them as a Super Bowl team before the season, and I'm not so sure if anyone is after the first two weeks. The San Francisco 49ers are up a couple of spots after losing in week one and then winning in week two. They beat the Detroit Lions in a close game at home. Let's flip it to the bottom half of these power rankings. All right, the Cowboys, you see them at number 17. They're up five spots after a decisive win on Sunday night over the, over the uh, New York Giants, I'm sorry. And then the Denver Broncos are kind of a similar team, strong on defense and just average on offense, probably low, lacking a little bit in terms of uh, being a potent offense. But the Broncos are 2-0, so you got to give them some love, and they, they're 2-0 for, I think, the sixth year in a row. So they're up five spots and creeping into the top half maybe next week. The Bears are up a spot as well after their win on Monday Night Football. Maybe they'd be up a little bit higher because that defense looks really good. But you know what didn't look so good? The Seattle Seahawks and Bears quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. So I'm not too high on the Bears just yet. 
Number 20 is the New York Giants, falling seven spots after losing to the Dallas Cowboys. They gave up six sacks. Eli Manning was battered, and they had no chance of winning that game uh, with the way it was going, considering Eli Manning was not even looking down the field. He was just looking at the pass rush. Miami Dolphins are up four spots, even though they're 2-0. and They rank 21st in the league. I want to see them beat someone that's actually decent. Uh, their two wins so far this year have come against the Titans and the Jets. Their next game is against the winless Raiders. Week four is when they play the New England Patriots. That'll be their first real test of the season. So let's wait to, uh, to until then before we start crowning them as contenders in the AFC East. The Tennessee Titans are number 22. They're up six spots after facing some adversity, rising to the challenge, beating the Houston Texans at home without their starting quarterback. I thought that was kind of impressive for a Titans team that I picked to lose in week two. The New York Jets are down seven spots. I guess you could say they crashed back to reality after their big win in week one over the Detroit Lions. They were beat at home by the Miami Dolphins, and it wasn't even really that close. I know the score ended up being okay uh, for them, but it was 20 to nothing at one point, and that's when the Jets really kind of started to get going once the Dolphins took their foot off the pedal. There you see the Detroit Lions at number 24 are down three spots. They're 0-2. That's a nightmare start for Matt Patricia, the first-year head coach in Detroit. They lost to the New York Jets in week one, and then they lost a closer game, much closer game, to the San Francisco 49ers. So they get some credit uh, for losing a closer game this time, but they're still down three spots. Uh, Detroit Lions, they were number 11 going into the season, so they're way down uh, over the past two weeks. The Indianapolis Colts are our last riser on this list. They're number 25. Maybe they aren't bottom dwellers like I thought they would be, uh, considering that they got their first win in the first two weeks of the season since 2013. That was Andrew Luck's second season. So this team is used to starting 0-2. The fact that they're 1-1 with a healthy Andrew Luck has got to be inspiring for this team moving forward. The Redskins are the biggest losers this week, going down 12 spots. They turned out to be huge frauds, or at least they were in week two. We'll see where things go from here. But they beat up on the Arizona Cardinals in week one, and it turns out the Cardinals are just a terrible team, as you see them at the bottom of the power rankings at number 31. And then in week two, uh, week two they actually hosted the Indianapolis Colts, who moved up those six spots, and uh, the Colts took it to them in that game. So I think that the Redskins aren't as good as I thought they were a week ago at this time. The Cleveland Browns are down three spots, even though they almost got a win for the second straight week. It'll happen at some point. It's got it, right? Or maybe this team is just too snake bit. I don't know. They keep finding new ways to, to not win. I would say lose, but they did get a tie in week one. The Raiders are 0-2, down two spots, not going well for John Gruden. This was a much closer game this time around. It wasn't like the Rams game in week one when they got blown out. However, they did give up a lead to the Denver Broncos, so... That's pretty bad. You're 28th in the league now. One of the five worst teams in the league, the Raiders are. The Houston Texans are down three spots. It's tough for Deshaun Watson to get much of anything going behind that offensive line. But there you see, number 29, 0-2 on the season. The Houston Texans, I don't see them moving up anytime soon. It could only be down. But the three teams behind them aren't really giving up any ground either because the Seattle Seahawks are terrible, moving down three spots. Russell Wilson has no help. The defense is banged up. Uh, they don't have really anyone left over from those Super Bowl teams. So I don't really know what to expect from the Seattle Seahawks moving forward except for more losses. The future remains in flux. Who knows if Russell Wilson will even be the franchise quarterback beyond this season. It's, it's kind of murky. It's kind of murky. Arizona Cardinals are number 31 in the power rankings, down two spots. They've only scored six points all season. That offense is completely inept. The defense doesn't seem too inspired either. Steve Wilkes has a massive building job on his hands, and it's going to take some time for the Cardinals to be competitive again. They're 0-2 for the first time since, I think, 2005 or 2006, so it's been a while since they've been this bad, to start the season at least. The Buffalo Bills are the worst team in the league. It's no surprise. Uh, things are so bad in Buffalo that Vontae Davis, veteran cornerback, retired during halftime. If that doesn't tell the story of what's going on in Buffalo, I don't know what will. Sean McDermott is the odds-on favorite to be the first coach fired this year. It's just not working out in Buffalo, considering last year they surprised everyone, had a winning record, made the playoffs. They ditched their quarterback, draft a guy, and it's just been downhill since then. I'm not saying it's Josh Allen's fault. It obviously isn't. But this team is just not fit to be playing on the same plane as all the rest of these teams. They've been outscored by a total of 20, uh, 52 points over the first two weeks. So the Buffalo Bills are in big trouble. I don't see that getting turned around anytime soon.
All right, so I'm jumping into the comment section to see what some of you guys say. Stefan agrees with me and says that the Bills should be last. DJ doesn't agree with me with the Packers. He says, why are the Packers number one again? The Rams should be higher. Well, maybe we could jump into that tier one here and, and break that down a little bit. So DJ thinks that the Packers don't deserve to be tier one team. Mike, maybe you can comment on that a little bit. I know they're your team. Do you think they deserve to be number one? Uh, yeah, I think they deserve to be number one. I mean, they hung with the – they were they should have beaten, rather, Minnesota Vikings. They should have beaten the best defense in the league with the hobbled Aaron Rodgers. I think, you know, if you take the lead into the, late into the fourth quarter and have one wiped out by a penalty in a game you would have won with the hobbled Aaron Rodgers, I think you could probably beat every other team on that list. But I will agree. I think the top five right now are probably a little interchangeable. But I think the Packers uh, get the nod there. What are your thoughts, Kev? I definitely think the Packers are the number one team in the league. They're undefeated. Yes, they're not 2-0, and but they should be 2-0. and The Packers got screwed in week two by the NFL officials in this stupid rule trying to protect quarterbacks uh, where they don't want anyone to drive or use their force or their weight to drive a quarterback into the ground. I don't think it's a good rule because we see Clay Matthews had a textbook sack in that game or textbook hit on Kirk Cousins at the end of the game. That was should have been an interception. Should have been the game ceiling play. It wasn't. I think that the refs got that one wrong. Isn't it such an interesting coincidence, though, that after the Packers cried bloody murder last year over the fact that Aaron Rodgers got hurt against the Minnesota Vikings and the NFL instituted the quote-unquote Aaron Rodgers rule to protect quarterbacks, isn't it strange that now the Packers get burned by that rule in a game against the Vikings? Do you, uh, you consider that? There's a little bit of irony there considering the way it all turned out. But, you know, I think there's been multiple teams already screwed by this rule, and I don't think that's they're, the Packers will be the last team to get screwed by this rule. I don't think it's going away anytime soon. The NFL knows that its biggest investments are, is the quarterback, the quarterback position. They want to keep these guys healthy, and they know that the only way to do that is uh, to protect them and make rules that prevent defensive players from hurting them. And sometimes that eliminates perfectly routine plays, like the one that we saw at the end of that game. Well, Kev, we saw one, too, earlier in the game where Rodgers got the uh, roughing the passer. I think Kendricks hit him. And it was kind of in the same fashion that, you know, Clay had hit Cousins uh, later on in the game. So it's not just Green Bay. I mean, yeah, Steve, I agree. It is a little ironic that Green Bay is the one that gets bit by it a little bit. But... Every team, I think, has been bit by this. I mean, you saw, too, earlier in the game, Mike Daniels completely wrapped Kirk Cousins up and just let him go because he thought he threw the ball. So I, I don't know I don't know what these defensive players do. I, I really feel for them. Yeah, I think every defensive player around the league right now is just totally clueless on what they're supposed to be doing. So get your thoughts in in the comments section on both that and my power rankings and how you feel about ties, all that stuff, things we're talking about here on week two of the Tuesday Touchdown. Glad to have you all here. I'm Kevin Boylard. Uh, we're talking NFL power rankings right now. And, boy, I got John in the comments and Jake in the comments. Jake is demanding an apology. He says Patrick Mahomes is the real deal. And Jake and I have been going back and forth all offseason about Patrick Mahomes and Jimmy Garoppolo and who would be the better quarterback this year. I said Jimmy Garoppolo. He, of course, being a Chiefs fan, went with Patrick Mahomes. And so far through two weeks, it's been no competition. Patrick Mahomes has been the better quarterback. Ten touchdowns on the season. That's an NFL record through ten, two games. And Patrick Mahomes is showing no signs of slowing down. That Chiefs offense that Andy Reid has built, he's running it to a T, and he's running it in a more dynamic fashion than Alex Smith could have ever dreamed of running it. So this is why they went out and got this guy 10th overall in the draft last year. He sat all of last year, was raw, needed a year to learn, and you're showing he's showing this year that he did learn, and he is ready to play now in year two. Patrick Mahomes, I think he's better than both of the other two quarterbacks drafted in the first round, Mitchell Trubisky with the Chicago Bears and uh, Deshaun Watson of the Houston Texans, both of them drafted in the first round last year. Mahomes is the best of the bunch, and I think he's got many more years to come where he's going to be throwing just a ton of touchdown passes. The bigger I want to play devil's advocate just for a moment on sure. Patrick Mahomes because last year we were saying a lot of the same things about Deshaun Watson and Jimmy Garoppolo, and I feel that with the way the game is now, you got so much uh, based on 
so much of the offense is based on scheme now, and you know you kind you kind of get a new player in a different in a different scheme, and they light everyone on fire, and no one can figure them out until people watch the tape and figure out little things within that scheme and within that player's game that help them stop them. So uh, we saw the Chiefs last year get off to a hot hot start and then kind of taper off as the season went on. Do you think that uh, you think that Mahomes is too good to be true, or are you a true believer now in Patrick Mahomes? Well, I won't say that it, I'm a true believer just yet because I want to see him play a tougher defense. And the two defenses that we've seen him go up against so far are the Pittsburgh Steelers last week, or this, this past week, and the Los Angeles Chargers the week before that. Now, both of those teams were dealing with ma massive injuries. Yeah. The Chargers were missing Joey Bosa, their number one pass rusher. Mm -hmm. the, the Steelers were dealing with injuries uh, to both their number one pass rusher in uh, Cameron Hayward mm -hmm. and also dealing with injuries on the outside of the cornerback position. So they were banged up as well. They got another easy w game coming up next week, I believe, uh, in terms of the defense that they faced. Uh, however, two weeks after that, they play the Jacksonville Jaguars and the oh, – I looked it up. But it's uh, two really tough defenses two, two weeks in a row in weeks four and five. That's going to be the big test for uh, Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, if he makes it through there and is still throwing three, four, five, six touchdowns a game, then, yeah, I'll be a real believer. But I want to see him go up against some of those tougher defenses that are uh, a little more equipped to defend and just to be clear, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs play the Denver Broncos uh, in Denver uh, in week uh, four. four. Week four. Uh, I, I went ahead one. They play. They host the San Francisco 49ers at home at Arrowhead Stadium in week three, and then week five they go uh, or they host the Jacksonville Jaguars. Thank you, Steve. And yes, the San Francisco 49ers don't necessarily have a great defense just yet. I would say that defense hasn't really made a name for itself yet. Uh, but maybe they can by being the ones to stop Patrick Mahomes. So after that, you got Denver and Jacksonville. I knew it was two tough defenses coming up. I just couldn't remember the team. So it's okay. We forgot Philip Lindsay's name last week. So that's right. Uh, and we're definitely we've... not forgetting Philip Lindsay this week because he's the first undrafted free agent in NFL history, first undrafted rookie in NFL history with 100 yards from scrimmage in each of his first two weeks. So we definitely know Philip Lindsay inside and out. I think he's the third leading rusher in the NFL right now too. Kev, when you first introduced uh, the top tier here, you said the Patriots and the Eagles both fall four spots and miss out on their chance to hop the Packers. If the Patriots or the Eagles had won that game, or if they both had won, how do you see this list changing? I think that if the Patriots had beaten the Jaguars, they would be the number one team in the power rankings right now. However, they did not beat the Jaguars, and they really weren't even that close to beating the Jaguars. In fact, they got out to a two-touchdown deficit very early in that game and really were never able to climb back in that game. And the Jaguars did that without Leonard Fournette and did it without uh, Cam Robinson at left tackle for most of that game. So I thought that was a very impressive win for the Jaguars. They have some potential to move up even higher than five. Uh, and the Philadelphia Eagles... I'm not so sure if they had if they had beat the Bucks, they would have leapt up into that one spot. Unless they really, really took it to the Bucks, maybe they could have done it. Uh, but, but we wouldn't be looking at the Bucks the same way we're looking at the Bucks right now. We'd be looking at the Bucks in terms of oh, that Week One win over the Saints was a fluke. The real Bucks stink. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not a real thing. And the Eagles just won a game against a team that they should have beaten. Well, so people forget that the Bucks were at home, and the Eagles were uh, were playing in Florida weather in September. That's not uh, that's not a good combination for a visiting team. No, it's definitely not. And I think that it definitely worked to the advantage of both the Jaguars and the Buccaneers in Week Two, as we saw both of those teams uh, pick up big wins against teams in the top eight, my Tier One power rankings here. Jump, up, jump over to Tier 2 and see what's happening over there with the Steelers. Sure. Most impressively, Kev. How do you see the Steelers kind of break the little funk that they're in and jumping into the top eight, jumping into your MySpace top eight? <laughs> well, the best way for the Steelers to jump into the Tier 1 of my power rankings would be to just get Le'Veon Bell back, but they can't count on that. Uh, in fact, he may not come back until he absolutely has to be back in Week 10 or 11, 12, whatever it is. Uh, I think that you got to keep Antonio Brown happy. Happy. If he's not happy, this team has the potential to go into free fall. 
Um, Antonio Brown was seen spotted on the sideline, kind of getting mixing it up with his offensive coordinator, and then tweeted after uh, the game, "Why don't you trade me?" Uh, in response to a fan who thought that AB was a product of Big Ben instead of the other way around, and so. I don't think uh, Antonio Brown appreciates that all that much, and I think that that's why uh, the Steelers are, are are in a bit of disarray right now because I think that locker room is showing a little bit of its dysfunction, and they're not handling the early season adversity all so well. This is also the first time the Steelers are heading into week three uh, looking for their first win of the season since 2013. They finished 8-8 eight and eight that year. That was Le'Veon Bell's rookie year. So this is totally new ter territory for this Steelers team. I'm really curious to see how they handle this moving forward, especially now that they play the Buccaneers on Monday night, and that team is red hot, and Ryan Fitzpatrick is just waiting to carve up that Steelers secondary, which could not stop Patrick Mahomes in week one, or week two. Kev, which quarterback are you believing more right now? Do you believe in the Fitz Magic or Pat Mahomes? Who do you like? I think that Pat Mahomes offers a little more potential. We've seen Fitz, Fitz magic where that ends up going when I guess you could say the magic powder turns to dust. It turns Fitz tragic. Yes, it does turn Fitz tragic. And I imagine it's going to happen at some point. Uh, we did see uh, some breaking news tonight from Tampa Bay.com that uh, the Uber driver who uh, accused Jameis Winston of uh, groping her uh, will file a lawsuit against Jameis Winston. So, uh, that is not good for the quarterback situation moving forward. It only really helps Ryan Fitzpatrick secure it even further. But even regardless of all that stuff that was going on off the field uh, with Jameis Winston coming set to come back from that suspension in week four, uh, I don't think that Ryan Fitzpatrick really gave him any room to to take back the starting job anyway. I'll say this as someone who saw the Bucks live in the preseason. If you think that Ryan Fitzpatrick is good in that offense, wait until Jameis Winston gets the opportunity to get the reins back because I, th I think he's going to go uh, ju just as off as Fitzpatrick has. The Bucks have a good quarterback situation. People forget Jameis Winston was the number one overall pick a couple of years ago, and he had a 9-7 and seven season in his second year. He had an off year last year, and now people were down because, no, he's not consistent enough. I think that... Uh, you know, I think that the Buccaneers need to stick with Jameis Winston, especially considering that Ryan Fitzpatrick's career arc has always been that when he's called into duty, he excels, people fall for the Fitzmagic, go, oh, we got to start this guy full-time, and then he gets a full-time starting opportunity, and he stinks. That's exactly right. It's kind of a vicious cycle that keeps repeating itself, and I think actually what would be more interesting, who are you buying more, because Patrick Mahomes, it's still too early. We don't really know. But who are you buying more, Ryan Fitzpatrick, or the quarterback ranked right below him in the in terms of teams, Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton had, I think, four touchdown passes on Thursday night. That's uh, not usual for him, but uh, him and A.J. Green are on fire, so maybe the Bengals can make some noise as well. Yeah. I'll be interested to see what they do against the Panthers this weekend uh, with Joe Mixon out. I think I think the uh, run game being opened up in, in Cincinnati has really helped them out. All right, so... I'm looking in the comment section right now to see what you guys are talking about. A lot of fans were commenting on the Steelers situation. Uh, Ricky is calling them a total mess. And I saw another Steelers comment here, but it looks like I lost it. Ricky says Kansas City needs the defense to improve, and then they could be the best in the NFL. That was the biggest reason why, as you saw, Kansas City was the number three team in my tier one. Uh, that's the biggest reason why they're not number one. I think Green Bay and Minnesota are both more well-rounded teams. Let's jump into the Tier 3 real quick and talk about the Dallas Cowboys because they're a team that's on the rise. After Week 1, they looked really, really, really disappointing. The Dak Prescott offense did not look very good at all. They got it going by running, simplifying it a little bit, running some read option against the D New York Giants at home, built on some of that momentum. Ezekiel Elliott got into the end zone again for the second straight week. He didn't get the 100-yard mark. He's still looking for his first century. Uh, century to, he's looking to hit the century mark for the first time this season still. But I do think that this offense can start rolling a little bit if uh, Dak Prescott continues to build his confidence. <clears throat> I think that they could be in the top half by next week. Kev, let's, let's hold on the offense. What do you think about that defense? That defense that's what I was going to say. That, I, I'm floored to see how well the Cowboys are playing on defense because traditionally you never think of them as a defensive team. They haven't had a, I don't think they've had a top five defense in, in 15 years. 
That's well, what Bill Parcells was coaching the team. Well, the defense is was expected if you've been talking to Patrick Walker of the Dallas Cowboys on 24-7 Sports, and I talked to him a lot. And so I knew that the Dallas Cowboys defense was going to be good because the pass rushers have, have been coming to life. Demarcus Lawrence had 14 and a half sacks last year, led, uh, led the Cowboys and led the league for a long stretch. He's, he's playing motivated. He wants to make money. He's on the franchise tag right now and knows that next offseason he can cash in. But some of the other guys who have stepped up, like Taco Charlton, uh, have, have been uh, somewhat surprising. Against the New York Giants offensive line, really anybody can get through and get to the quarterback. But they had six different Great. guys to record a sack. Uh, those linebackers have come together uh, really well. I like the way that Jalen Smith is playing. But in the back end, they're playing well as, uh, as well. And I think that uh, this is a really, from front to back, a decent defensive unit, one of the better ones in the entire NFL. They showed it against the New York Giants. And right now, that defense is strong enough to carry this team, but really only to the 17th mark, as you see on my power rankings. In order to jump into that top half, they're going to need more from that offense. And that's why I led with the offense, because I think that that's where they have the most room to grow, considering they could get Travis Frederick at center back at some point, And Dak Prescott can still build his confidence. Ezekiel Elliott uh, can always do more. They look to get him involved more in the passing game. The Giants had that covered up, but there's going to be teams that aren't ready for that. And so I think that the Dallas Cowboys have a lot of room to grow on offense. They're already very strong on defense. Look for them to jump into the top half moving forward. Hey, Kevin, you want a Blake Bortles fact? Sure. Blake Bortles never picked the New York Giants to win the NFC East this year. Yeah, I see some people in the comments section already making, uh, making, making jokes about my 12-4 and four Giants pick. Yeah, I'm not feeling so hot about that pick, to be completely honest. 0-2 uh, to start the season for the fifth time in six years. So maybe I should have just went with what we know and maybe not tried to be so bold. But I don't think it's over for the New York Giants just yet, considering they still have a very, very talented running back in Saquon Barkley who set a franchise record with 14 receptions. Now, I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. It shows a flaw in the game plan, but it also shows that he can do anything you ask him to. Put the ball in his hands, he's going to make plays. He made so many players miss just to get back to the line of scrimmage or gain one or two or three yards on some of those plays against the Dallas Cowboys. I'm looking for Saquon Barkley to get more involved in the running game moving forward. You have to give him the ball more than 10 or 11 times a game. Stick the ball in his gut. If you go and draft a guy second overall, you got to be committed to the run. you got to make the moves to establish it. The Giants didn't even try to do that against the Dallas Cowboys. They got too fancy, splitting him out wide as a wide receiver, trying to throw the ball to him in different ways. They need to trust that offensive line to get a yard, get a push, and, and move forward. Why would you trust that offensive line? You have to trust them at some point. You, 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 look, you have to trust them to run block because you sure as heck can't trust them to pass block. So you got to go out there and you have to ask them to go and get a yard. Go and set the tone for your running back. He's going to break a long one. Even if the guys get into the backfield, he makes a miss. So I know the Giants don't have enough trust in their offensive line right now to, to establish the run, but they're going to have to if they want Saquon Barkley to work. Otherwise, you wasted a draft pick, second overall on a running back. doesn't make any sense to me if you're not going to trust that offensive line to establish the run. I want to I want to talk about the Bears defense a little bit. They showed out last night. I mean, I know they had the game against the Packers last week with the miracle comeback, but what do you foresee for this Bears and that defense? I mean, I know Trubisky's had his, you know, been a little shaky here and there, but with that defense, I feel like I could probably play quarterback. The Bears defense, I think, is one of the best in the NFL, and that's nothing new. They were a top 10 unit last year uh, without Khalil Mack. Now that they have Khalil Mack, you know, anything goes. And just some stats here from CBS Research. The, the Bears defense, six sacks last night against the Seahawks. That was the most since week 13 of 2016. They had two strip sacks, one from Khalil Mack and one from Danny Trevathan. Khalil Mack's got a strip sack in both games so far, and the Bears have an interception return TD in both games this season. Khalil Mack had one in week one. Amukamara had one last night to seal the game for the Bears. They need more from the offense. Mitchell Trubisky, the experiment is starting to falter. He had two interceptions, did not look very good last night against the Seahawks, but he was lucky enough to be playing a Seahawks team that was in even more trouble than he is. So 
I think that the Bears can win some games this year uh, with their defense, as we saw last night against the Seahawks, but that was against one of the bottom five teams in my power rankings. In order to beat some of those teams that you see ranked ahead of them in the power rankings, they're going to have to uh, get that offense going. They're going to have to find a way to get Jordan Howard moving. He didn't have a great game running the ball, uh, so they got to be more efficient and more effective on offense because that's just not going to cut it for them, what they're doing so far. All right, we got some fans saying they want to call in, so I think it's time to open up the phone lines. Our number is 615-422-5240. Give us a call if you want to talk about the tie games. That's uh, one of our it's our poll question today. We're wondering if NFL fans want the NFL to eliminate tie games. I'm going to tell you how they can do that at the end of the show. Uh, if you want to talk about my power rankings, we can absolutely do that as well. We can talk about NFL rules, uh, considering that the Packers had a game stolen from them. All right, here's our first caller, first two callers. Welcome to the Tuesday Touchdown. What's your name and who's your favorite team? Hey, DJ. Hello. Hi. How's it going, DJ? Good. Um, so I just wanted to say that about the Giants-Cowboys game on uh, um, Sunday night, uh, that I feel like the Giants would have had a better chance of winning if I think it was Landon Collins or whatever. I I was laughing because um, Dak Prescott was throwing all over the Giants' defense. Well, I guess more or less. But he made the comment that they they the key for them to win would be having the Cowboys keep the ball in Dak Prescott's hands. More or less something like that. Yeah, that's, you're exactly right. Uh, there was a little bit of trash talking going on uh, between these two divisions. And, and I feel like karma struck back on the Giants. Yeah, that may be the case. I mean, karma is one way to explain it. You could say poor blocking and an immobile quarterback <laughs> yeah. is another way to describe it. But I think that, yeah, if you're a team that's only won three games last year and you lost your first game of the season, maybe keep your trap shut when you're going into a big game at Dallas. But Landon Collins decided to open his mouth and say, we're going to win the game by making Dak Prescott throw. Well, guess what? On the first drive of the game, Dak Prescott threw it over Landon Collins' head uh, to Tavon Austin, and uh, they were able to ride it out from there. That was the only real explosive play that they had on offense that entire game. Uh, they really did shut down the pass after that play, uh, but the read option got them. It was able, they were able to keep the chains moving, and, and Zeke Elliott was able to grind them down. So Landon Collins, you see him in the background there. Not a smart move. Thank you for the call, DJ. Let's take another one right now. Welcome to the Tuesday Touchdown. What's your name and who's your favorite team? It's your friendly Canadian, Andrew the What's going What's up, on? Andrew? I'm sure you have a lot on your mind. What's, why don't you just lay it on us? <laughs> I, only got, I only got a couple of things. Uh, one, Steve, and to the rest of the boiler room here, Canada loves you. I just want to throw that out there. We've been watching you guys for a while. Got a few fans hey. that watch you. We love every time. Second of all, Mike, the producer. Oh. You, sir, you, sir, Go ahead. made a prediction last week, and you had a thought in your head at that prediction of maybe, just maybe, you should have taken that prediction back. And I'm here to tell you that from now on, when you think about betting against the Bucks, I want you to do your homework, I want you to study, and I want you to realize that you're over two now when you bet against my Bucks. Andrew. So, I definitely am. I'm over two. <laughs> I don't even want to like yeah. look them in the and, eyes anymore. <laughs> Andrew, what, what, what should... What should Mike's punishment be on the Sunday show for picking uh, uh, the Eagles' defense to get sacked from four different players against the Bucks? That was the prediction, right, Mike? It, in a yeah. blowout loss. Yeah. Okay, so in a here's, blowout here's loss. what I think should happen. Okay, what? He should have a beard for Fitzmagic in honor of the beard that he lost. Okay. And just for, you know, just for laughs and giggles, just throw yeah, a yeah. hat on him for the show. That would be great to see. <laughs> I like that. Is it? Is it? That, a, is it would be, that would be my punishment for you. All right. Okay. All so right, right. we'll see if we can get a uh, a prosthetic beard for. for I, don't, I don't know if I could grow that one back that I had that the Eagles took. Definitely not fast. Definitely it. not by Sunday. But yeah. unless your mother doesn't want you to grow it back either. Nope. No. Not a fan. Stefan says that uh, that I'm 0 for three. Yeah. My if you remember my hot hot take from Sunday, it was that Von Miller would have three sacks. Uh, against the Derek Carr-led Raiders, and he only had one, but the Broncos won the game. So 
I think Mike gets punished this week, even though I wasn't spot on. His prediction was definitely worse. All right, so let's jump into something else here. So there you saw my power rankings, and we took some phone calls. But this morning, I posed a question to the faithful members of the 24-7 Nation Army. Let's take a look at that post and read some of the answers. All right, so I asked everyone, which 0-2 team has the best shot to make the playoffs? The Bills, Raiders, Texans, Giants, Seahawks, Cardinals, or Lions? I gave you my answer in the comment section. I said, as bad as they looked on Sunday night, I think the Giants had the best shot. The rest of the division is knotted at 1-1. One one. So they're really only one game behind everyone else, even though 0-2 stinks. No one else in the division is really running away with it at this point. So I think the Giants could get back in the mix as early as next week. And another team that I wouldn't totally count out is the Texans, just because that AFC South has always been a little weird. And you can't really count out Deshaun Watson. He's been known to do some crazy things. Him and uh, DeAndre Hopkins connected for another touchdown in week two kev so you think the lions already kind of took themselves out of things that's a tough division to even climb back into especially with the bears now you think kind of the bears have unseated the lions as number three well james in the comments says he said none of them but he said the lions have the toughest division and they have suspect coaching so he answered it and said that the lions have the the worst shot to make the playoffs so he kind of answered it in a backwards way none of these guys have a great chance to make the playoffs but uh, Dustin agreed with me and said that the Giants defense could actually sneak them in and their offensive line is still trying to gel if they actually come together it could work for them uh, Anthony says that the Raiders team is getting better each week and they did get better from week one to week two I think they played a bit of an easier opponent going from the Rams to the Broncos uh, but Derek Carr completed like 90 some percent of his over 90 percent of his pass attempts and that's the highest ever in NFL history by someone who attempted at least 30 attempts. So you can't put that one on Derek Carr. Uh, will says that Houston had the best chance, but he d has the best chance, but he doubts any of them will actually make the playoffs. Uh, Antonio is another one who agrees with me with the Giants. Um, some. Can I say something yeah. about the Bills? Go ahead. I'm not going to say, just on the topic that we're discussing right now, I'm not going to say the Bills are going to rebound from 0-2 and make the playoffs. I'm, I'm not. But you mentioned earlier in the show, and I had an article about it today, that Sean McDermott now, according to the bookies, they're, they're brandishing their pitchforks. They, uh, they think McDermott's going to have the best odds to be fired uh, or be the first NFL head coach to be fired. And I just think that it's completely stupid and reactionary to – you know, essentially be ready to throw him out of town in Orchard Park. Because here's the thing about the Bills. You have so much turnover at the quarterback position. Uh, for, and before that even, uh, McDermott made the playoffs. He, he coached that Bills team up to 9-7 and seven and a playoff appearance last year, first time since 1999. You have massive turnover at the quarterback room. You have Eric Woods, Richie Incognito, and Cordy Glenn all either retire, get traded, or get released. So your offensive line is essentially a sleeve, and you've got uh, you've got some other players who aren't necessarily a good influence on the locker room. Lord knows that uh, when Ke when Kelvin Benjamin is saying that oh it's not that bad that uh, that we got blown out 47 to three by the Ravens, you, you know he's not with the program. Yeah. Uh, you know we'll, we'll see who he blames things on this time. But uh, but you know I just I don't see how you can say that all the Bills' dysfunction and all the Bills' issues are on Sean McDermott. You know, I'm just not a fan. And I know, I know, oh, well, last year the Giants fired Ben McAdoo only a year after he made the playoffs in his first year, but I'm just not a fan of this. I'm not a fan of this reactionary take about how the Bills are awful and it's all the head coach's fault and we've got to get another one. Yeah, I definitely don't think it's all his fault. However, this team is headed so drastically in the wrong direction after last year's surprising success that the blame has to fall on someone. I'm not saying he should be fired this season or even after this season considering he's still a very young head coach, but the Bills have to be concerned about the direction he's taking the team. So the Bills may have the worst chances. DJ says that the Seahawks, of course he says the Seahawks have the best chance to win of all those teams. But if you'd like to talk football with over 1,000 NFL fans, please find and join NFL fans on Facebook, uh, on 24-7 Sports on Facebook. The comment section here is great when we're live, but that group is the only place on Facebook where the NFL talk never stops. So three easy steps, search 
click and join the group. We'd love to have you over there. The conversation's always flowing, just like the comment section here when we're live. And Ricky says, uh, yeah, he says that McDermott made the choice of starting Peterman. And I mean, some has to fall on the general manager and, and some of the guys they brought in. Because the quarterback position was totally, with A.J. McCarron, we, 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 can't, we shouldn't be talking about the Bills as much. So let's talk about another team, any other team but the Bills. But we're, we're done talking about the Bills at until they do something other else that's just out of this world. Yeah, Pivoting to the Browns, actually, at, su at some point, just like with the Bills, at some point the personnel has to be to blame. I know that the Browns fans are frustrated with Hugh Jackson's record as a head coach, but let's face it, Hugh Jackson is a kicker away from being 2-0 this season. At, at some point, it can't be all the head coach's fault. At some point, it has to be the fact that your kicker missed every important kick that he's had to make this season, and that's why he doesn't have a job anymore. Right, but don't you think there's something to it that Hugh Jackson says after the game that he knew nothing of Zane Gonzalez's groin injury? Shouldn't the head coach be aware of players' injuries? Well, we'll, we'll see here. That's another thing that players uh, resort to when uh, when they have bad performances. I, I remember in the preseason, uh, Matt Khalil gets whipped by Robert Quinn for two sacks in uh, the Panthers' preseason game against the Dolphins. He was saying, you know, he was uh, he was healthy all preseason or all offseason, and the minute he gets he has a bad game against the Dolphins, he goes, ah, oh, my knees. You know, I gotta get them scoped. I'm gonna be out eight weeks. You know. Yeah, well, I think it's pretty weak when guys uh, when guys say that only after the chips are down for them. Yeah, well, that's true. But bad teams find new ways to win, and that fits the Browns to a T. And that's just been their mo ever since. Well, wow, they're finding ways to win. Finally, I'm sorry. Did I say win? I meant yes. they've been, new ways to lose. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. New ways to lose or tie. New ways to not win. We'll say. All right. Cool. All right. Let's take some more phone calls. What do you say? Here's one right now. Welcome to the Tuesday Touchdown. What's your name and who's your favorite team? Uh, Kenneth, Texans. Texans fan on the line. What's on your mind? Uh, in regards to uh, Bengals-Ravens game from this past Thursday. Okay. Uh, there were two there were two points to that game that uh, that I feel were of utmost importance. Mm -hmm. Okay. One. When when he gets when he throws at least thirty times, the basically the Ravens are like two and nine heading into that game. This is With Joe Flacco, correct? Touchdowns, twenty nine interceptions, and when he has a lot of pressure against him, as evidence in that game, his. Uh, completion rating drops significantly. I've got the stat right here. He threw for 376 yards, uh, which is his first 300 passing yard game uh, since the start of last season. But he needed 55 attempts to do that, and the Ravens are 0 and 8 when Flacco throws the ball at least 52 times. So, yes, you're right. If you ask Flacco to throw the ball that many times, he's going to make some mistakes, and that's exactly what we saw against the Bengals because uh, Andy Dalton was just the cleaner passer that night. Do you, you say you have a second point about that game? When, when he has a lot of pressure going against him, his completion rating drops significantly. Yeah, that's true. I think that uh, Joe Flacco, he's not known as the most uh, mobile guy. He's not known as uh, the greatest quarterback in the face of pressure, unless I guess that pressure is in the playoffs or in the Super Bowl because he did great in that one Super Bowl run. But I, I think that you know Joe Flacco knows and the Baltimore Ravens know that the future is Lamar Jackson. Now, whether that's a bright future or, or not so bright future remains to be determined, but you don't take a quarterback in the first round and not give him a shot at some point. So the Ravens may be coming to an end here with, with Joe Flacco under center. This may be the last year of it, and we may start to see more of Lamar Jackson because we've only seen Lamar Jackson so far in gadget-type plays and you know, working him in and you know, wildcat and as a slot receiver-type thing. Uh, so, you know, I think that we want to see more Lamar Jackson if you're a Baltimore Ravens fan who's maybe done with the whole Joe Flacco thing. All right, so our phone lines are open, 615-422-5240. Please give us a call if you'd like to talk. I'm checking in the comment section right now to see what you guys are talking about. 
And Aaron, who's a Ravens fan, says, don't worry about my team. Worry about having a winning season. So, excellent. Well, they, they had a winning season last year. They did have Ravens a winning did. season. They didn't win enough, but they did have a winning season. Yeah. So They were a fourth down stop away from making the playoffs. That's right. So, I mean, the Baltimore Ravens are a team that can make some noise in the AFC North, especially yeah. now that the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers are in disarray. The other thing you got to consider about that Thursday night game, Flacco's never been good in Cincinnati. Just his house is hard. True. Let's take a call. Welcome to the Tuesday Touchdown. What's your name and who's your favorite team? Hey, it's Albert, man. Hey, what's up, Kev? How you been doing, bro? It's the Chicago Bears. Just for all my Bear fans out there, bear it on, baby. Glad to have you, Hey, man. we all want to know who, who out of you guys are the Packer fans because, like, we've been seeing you guys post shit on um, 247 Chicago Group. Yeah. Sometimes there's, like, Packer fans posting on there and stuff. So oh. we're curious, like, out of, out, of, out of all of you, who are the Packer fans? Uh, Mike, is a, Mike grew up a Packers fan. Uh, but he's the only one. A. Aaron is a Bears fan, and Bear down. Uh, 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 Steve and I grew up Giants fans. Although uh, I like all the teams now, I have no favorite team at this point. Uh, I covered the team from an unobjective or an <laughs> objective. <laughs> <laughs> I covered the league from an objective personnel uh, viewpoint. Uh, you get the point. And then Steve likes all the teams that are bad. So thank you. Boy, so high. What's that? Could you repeat that? They want to know why you guys rank the Packers so high and why you rank the Cowboys so high. They don't like the rankings. Well, first of all, the Cowboys aren't so high. They're in the bottom half of the league. And second of all, the, the I've explained why I have the Packers at number one. They're number one because they're undefeated, and I think that Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the league and the biggest difference maker in the league. We saw it against the Bears in week one when he single-handedly lifted them from the depths and led them to a victory. Then he was... Really, in my opinion, he beat the Minnesota Vikings, which are probably the toughest defense in the entire NFL. They ranked first in both scoring and yardage last year, and they're a playoff-caliber defense, that's for certain, and now they're improved on offense. So I believe that he beat that team, and the, and the officials took that game from them when they made the Clay Matthews call. Now, you could probably point to a dozen calls or plays throughout the game, but None were bigger than that Clay Matthews call at the end of the game when his defense steps up and gets the interception to seal that game. Uh, I think that Aaron Rodgers should really, really, really be upset. But interesting note about Aaron Rodgers, I think he's only, he's like 4-11-1 in postseason, in, in overtime games for his career, which is absolutely absurd. Uh, yeah, there's a the couple stat. times where he hasn't even touched the ball. Yeah, yeah. Aaron Rodgers is 4 for 11 with zero touchdowns and one interception in overtime in his career. He's now 1-4 and 1 in overtime for the regular season. So Aaron Rodgers, not really known for his heroics in overtime of all the times that he is heroic, not so much in overtime. So thank you very much for your call. I swear we're not Packers homers. I mean, Mike is a Packers fan, but he doesn't make the power rankings. I make the power rankings. And I think that Aaron Rodgers, when he's on the field and healthy the way he has been, uh, at least – even when he's not fully healthy, playing on a bum, bum leg, you know, he's the kind of guy who can beat any team, even a Vikings team that's very well-rounded and uh, good enough to beat anybody that's not named Aaron Rodgers. All right. We have a few minutes left. Let's take a few more phone calls. Welcome to the Tuesday Touchdown. What's your name and who's your favorite team? Cody, and it's the Colts. Cody's a Colts fan. What's on your mind, Cody? Hey, I just – um. You got them kind of low there. I mean, granted, I don't think they're a top 15, but well, hey, you know, hey, I think hey. they could be by the end of the year. They got a climb. they're definitely better than the Lions. Come they, on now. They, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say they're definitely better than the Lions. The Lions went out to the West Coast and fought hard against the San Francisco 49ers. They're only one spot behind the Lions, so, you know, they could go either way there. But the, Col <laughs> the Colts have to work their way up. I mean, they were one of the worst teams in the league last year. I know they didn't have Andrew Luck, but – Let's see how Andrew Luck looks as this season progresses. He hasn't looked pristine in his first two games. They're up six oh, spots. Rusty, yeah, They're up down. six um, spo spots. I wanted to actually bring to light a few things. Their defense uh, is a lot better than what any of us give them credit for being. I mean, their defense has really stepped up. I will say, I, I, I want to mention uh, something about their defense real yeah. quick before you go on. I mean, I was very impressed with their defense considering that they shut down 
Adrian Peterson after Adrian Peterson really took it to the Arizona Cardinals the week before. For the Colts to step in there and shut down the run the way they did, I don't really remember a Colts team that was that good at just stuffing the run and uh, really controlling the pace of the game in that sense. And that's why the Redskins were totally, you know, they were out of sorts. I mean, they didn't score a touchdown in that game. Right, and then the, the other one very important thing I wanted to mention was in the past two games, they've allowed, what, three sacks? Yes, yeah. You know, um, That's so what Nelson's been doing. Is, is on par. So I think um, moving forward, I think that they're definitely a 10-6 team this year. Um, I don't know about the playoffs. Um, I think that the, a the AFC South is a pretty tough division this year. So we will see. I, I don't know if uh, I don't know if they're 10-6. and six. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. There is – some tough factors in the AFC South, considering they sent two teams to the playoffs last year. I don't think the Titans quite look like the team they were last year under Mike Vrabel now this year. Uh, but the Jaguars look like they may be improved. So I'm not so sure if they're going to make the playoffs. Thank you very much for your call. Glad to have a Colts fan on the show. Welcome to the Tuesday Touchdown. What's your name and who's your favorite team? The Cowboys. All right, Cowboys fan. Tyler. All right, Tyler, what's on your mind, man? Um, actually, what I'm going to go on my mind right now is um, after watching our last game, okay, and uh, seeing us actually mentally beating the Giants, um, you know, the commentators were saying we mentally beat them first, you know, versus physically beat them. You know, I kind of disagreed with that, actually, because seeing as we sacked Eli Manning, you know, six times, I would consider that kind of more physical than mental. Um well, it was an absolute but, uh, physical beatdown. There's no doubt about that. The Denver or the Dallas Cowboys were just eating the Giants alive when they were on the defensive side of the ball, and, and the Giants were just totally ill-equipped to deal with that. But I do think there was a mental aspect there, but not so much on the players, more so on the coaches. I thought Pat Shermer was totally outcoached by Jason Garrett in this one, uh, and I think that there were many of those sacks where the Giants simply didn't even have the personnel on the field to defend the def defend the blitzers that the Cowboys were sending at them. That tells me it's a fundamental flaw that the Giants weren't just totally weren't ready for what the Cowboys were going to send at them in this game. And then the way they tried to defend the read option, it was as if they didn't practice it at all this week, uh, so or the previous week. So uh, I thought that was another indicative factor that the Cowboys were better coached, were more prepared for this game than the Giants were. So on both sides of the ball, the Giants were a little outcoached. Jason Garrett gets a big thumbs up from me. And Pat Shermer, man, he's just lumped in with the rest of the first-year head coaches who are really struggling so far. Let's take one last look at the poll, shall we? We asked, should the NFL eliminate ties? And right now I'm seeing most of you think that they should. 20 people voting yes, the NFL should eliminate ties. Only nine voting no, they can keep them. I don't know why you would want to keep them, but maybe the nine of you who do can let me know in the comment section why. There's still a couple minutes to vote on that poll, so make sure you're doing that. We're hoping you're enjoying the Tuesday Touchdown coming to you live on Facebook. We'll keep these power rankings coming weekly, so follow us for the rest of the season. It should be a fun ride. But we've been hanging out in the end zone long enough tonight. It's time to finish this episode of the Tuesday Touchdown the same way NFL players cap off every big score by delivering the spike. Let's talk about NFL overtime. Through two weeks of the 2018 season, we've now seen two games end in ties, and nobody likes a tie. Now, I'm not one who usually advocates for the NFL to make knee-jerk decisions, but there are simple ways to tweak the rules of overtime that will effectively eliminate ties. Interested? I bet you are. The easiest thing to do would be to keep the current modified sudden death format. However, if the score is still tied after the first overtime period, the game should then transition to college-style overtime rules with the two teams alternating possessions that start from the 25-yard line until one team fails to match the other's scoring output. College football games never end in a tie, but very few NFL fans prefer the NCAA's overtime rules. That's okay, because if my proposed rule changes were to be adopted by the NFL, most overtime games would still be decided in the first period. The college-style overtime would only come into play if the score is still knotted after 10 minutes, kind of like a shootout in hockey or penalty kicks in soccer. There's nothing more annoying than seeing that extra tally in the tie column, especially when it comes to time to calculate playoff clinching scenarios late in the season. My head is already spinning knowing that there are four teams with a tie and we're only in week three. Make the change, NFL, because no one needs this headache. This is the Tuesday Touchdown, and that was the Spike.
Thanks for watching today's show. Please remember to like and follow 24-7 Sports Live on Facebook. You can find me on social media by searching my name, Kevin Boylard. Major shouts out to Mike the Producer and A.A. Ron in the control room. Two thumbs up to the ever-informative and always original Steve T. as well. Tune in next week for another episode of the Tuesday Touchdown. And in the meantime, keep it locked at 24-7 Sports, where we're talking your team all the time.